What is up, HMA Wrestling fans? I have something to tell you guys about Tony Rotundo and his company, Wrestlers Are Warriors. Tony Rotundo is an amazing photographer um, who dedicates most of his um, pictures and time to wrestling and growing this wonderful sport. He has dedicated a lot of his time and effort to helping HMA Wrestling grow, and uh, he's he's donated a lot of his um funds and and advice for us so please show the love for us and and to him and go check out his website that is wrestlersarewarriors.com please go check that out look at his awesome photos and, and maybe buy some so uh yeah check out tony rotundo wrestlersarewarriors.com i appreciate it guys Whoa, oh, we are back for the 17th interview on Home Mad Advantage. I am Jude Swisher, joined today by David Taylor. If you happen to hit your head really, really hard and have forgotten who David Taylor is, here's a very brief recap of his credentials. He was a four-time NCAA finalist, two-time champion, 2018 86-kilogram world champion, and a 2020 Olympic hopeful. Huge shout-out to our sponsor, Tony Rotundo, wrestlersorwarriors.com and thanks for to DT for coming out on this interview yo hey there coach David welcome to the show what's up Jude I'm happy to be on yeah really that's awesome <laughs> um hey no I've been wanting to, to get you on for a while now you know I've interviewed uh, coach Mark and coach Eric so you're the you're the final coach at M2. Um, and I, I'm excited for this interview, so it's going to be good. Well, I was wondering if I was going to make the cut. I wasn't sure. But oh, I yeah? Or something. And uh, I was like, you know, following this M2 meme center, it seems like <laughs> uh, you know, Coach Mark, Coach Eric, um, and mine's, my memes typically be like the hard practices and stuff. So I was, I was wondering if, if uh, that meant that I was going to make the cut for your, your podcast. Oh, well, listen. So, the the meme center is is strictly uh, off the record. You didn't hear that it was me. All right. Uh, second of all, um, I mean, like, Coach Mark is just a great target for making memes, especially because there are some excellent photos of him out there. So, Coach Mark is a walking meme. Or maybe, <laughs> yeah. You know, which which have you Yeah. For uh, for all of our followers that are listening, if you aren't following the M2 Meme Center, you definitely got to give it a follow. It's I think a good representation of just like what we do at M2 Training Center. You know, like we we definitely are trying to get better every single day, but we have humor, we have personality. Um, you know, we're definitely uh, we're a well-rounded coaching staff, and we got great athletes. So um, it's definitely worth a follow. I get people all the time constantly like laughing at them and uh, sending them to me and. Um, which is it's just pretty cool to see that. So it's it, the account's definitely growing, and we got to get some more followers so we can yeah. spread the M2 love out there. And you know the thing is like, so this is here's a little story. So like the very first practice ever at M2, um, there was like a lot of kids that I knew, you know, a lot of local kids, but no one that I was like especially close with. Um, and you stood up and introduced yourself, and we all we all like said our names or whatever, and. Uh, and you said something along the lines of like these guys that are in here with you, like 
they're going to be more than like just your friends. Like we're going to be brothers, you know, we're going to day in day out. We're always going to be in here training, getting each other better. And like at the time I kind of like, I kind of was like, you know, I don't, maybe, I don't think that's really going to happen. But now like, you know, coming up on three years at M2, some of these guys are some of my best friends, you know, 100%. And like, just the um, the whole all different personalities and the 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 chemistry that goes on in that room is it's very special, you know. We're more than we're more than just friends. We're we're a family, you know. So yeah, it's been cool to see you know see you guys grow too over the last couple of years. Um, just the relationships that you know we've been able to form um, mm-hmm. with each other. You know, as a coaching staff, being more comfortable and um, you know it's it's interesting, you know, being an athlete my whole life. You know, and, and having my relationship with my coaches and, and how powerful those have been. And I think in a club setting, it, it's different dynamic. Um, you don't typically have that, you know, that relationship. You have to build it, right? You have to build trust. Right. You guys have to trust us. You know, we have to trust you guys. Um, and I think you, you kind of nailed it. You know, like for that core group, you know, you being there on that first day, you know, going into our third year now, you know, just I think we've all developed much stronger relationships and trusting like, in um, in the process. So, um, it's been pretty exciting. It's, it's definitely been for, for me, um, it's been interesting in the coaching, um, side of it because, you know, teaching, you know, what, you know, what I do, um, is actually helped you obviously develop you guys and your ability mm-hmm. to score and transition things. But I've noticed that the areas that we emphasize in practice, I find myself been emphasizing in my practices, you know, yeah. it's like you get hundreds of extra reps in these areas, I think are really important for you guys. Um, and then I find myself doing them, you know, and then, uh, and doing them in my competitions and noticing different. So it's been, uh, extremely rewarding, obviously. And, um, watching you guys grow up, has been fun. Yeah. So, so, so before the, cre- before M2 started you had this like idea in your head, is this what it's like? Is this what you envisioned what M2 would, what it would turn out to, you know, going into its third year? Yeah, it's exceeded all expectations. It really has. You know, I think it's, you know, for you guys, it's an interesting dynamic because the act, you know, in a weird way, like, you know, my my profile in the sport of wrestling, you know, like I've been able to like be able to break that down where it's just like we have that relationship, like that friendship, you know, like that athlete coach side of things, you know, at the same time as you guys also get to like watch me go out and compete and do the things that I'm doing as the athlete side. Mm-hmm. So um, I think when we first started, I remember just like trying to like, hey guys, I'm here as your coach. You know, I'm not here as like, you know, trying to be able to like, kind of break down that barrier to an extent. Right. Um, you know, it's been, it's definitely been interesting, but I think I remember that first day, and, you know, and, and I remember all the, I can almost remember all, all you guys that were there that first day, you know, and I think um, being able to, grow uh just even for our first facility you know out in Julia, mm-hmm. going nowhere you know there's uh not much there to you know now our facility is definitely uh much more um yeah really it's just definitely been an improvement you know and i would say that the biggest thing that has exceeded my expectation is just the bond that we, we've been able to have with you guys you know between eric and mark you know, we've been together for a long time and even the relationship that I've been able to form with Eric and Mark as coaches, mm-hmm. you know, and how we relate and talk. And, and, and I think we definitely get together 
uh, really well. You know, we all have our different strengths and weaknesses, and I think we break it up in practices so it doesn't become monotonous for you guys. Like, right. one of our practices are, are different. Um, and then just learning how athletes can respond. You know, like I've been wrestling since I was, you know, five years old. I've been wrestling at a high level since I was eight, and I've had you know, a lot of coaches, and I've had very fortunate to have great coaches. Um, but the way that I respond to coaching is different than how other kids that are going to respond to coaching um, and being able to work through that. And, and I try not to be stubborn in saying like, well, this is the only way I think that it's going to work. You know, I, I try and talk to coach Mark and coach Eric. Um, and I try to talk with you guys every once in a while, even and try and get feedback so we can create the best mm-hmm. environment possible. So you guys can be successful, you know? So I think that's been that, that, evolution has been uh, something that I didn't foresee. Um, and I love it. I love being there and I love uh, trying to help you guys get better and reach your goals as I'm trying to reach mine at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's been, uh, you know, it's been pretty awesome. And, you know, like you've been doing like clinics and stuff for, you know, probably since you were in college, like over the summer, you go to different camps and stuff. How does, how does that cl- like, were you expecting the M2 Training Center to be something like a clinic, something a little more like, you know, you show up and you show your techniques and we either, you know, take them or leave them? Or did you um, did you anticipate it like becoming personal? No, I think definitely personal because that's just my personality and how I am. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to have that relationship, you know, with, with you guys and I want to be able to. I think that's what makes it strong, you know, with coaches. Right. Like, why I think my, my bond is so strong with, like, Casey Cunningham and Cody Sanderson and Kale Sanderson um, is because of my personal relationship with them. You know, they're my coaches, um, you know, and I believe them 100%. Like, they're telling me to do something or whatever it may be. But it's not, you know, like, hey, I'm not going to talk to you guys again until practice starts again. You know, Casey is someone that I travel with all over the world. You know, he's become not only, you know, over the last 10 years, you know, my coach, my mentor, and now become like one of my really good friends on the same, on that route. And I think that that, you know, when we go travel places, you know, knowing that that bond, it just helps your performance. So I think that's the kind of environment that I wanted to create, you know, with you guys. And mm-hmm. I think that it's, it's coming, it's definitely forming, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, you know, just like our example between you and I, you know, earlier this year with um, some of your preseason competitions. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, that was, uh, definitely, uh, you know, something I think, you know, maybe you, you didn't understand that I wanted you to do well, you know, and more right. than just show up and see what it is, you know? So, um, my wife constantly is like, David, I've had, an, I've had enough of you talking about him too. Let's talk about something different. <laughs> I come home and I'm like constantly trying to like talk about the guys and, and your, your development and, and, you know, what's tournaments next and, you know, how this is. And, um, I wish that I could do more. You know, I definitely have limitations mm-hmm. because of my competition, my personal competition aspirations. But, you know, I think as time goes on, we'll continue to be able to do more and more, um, which I'm excited for. So you talked about your relationship with, you know, Coach Casey Cunningham and, and Coach Kale and Coach Cody. How did you select Mark and Eric? What, it, what was your process for, for choosing a, a coaching staff for us? Well, I think, you know, Mark has been around – coaching for a long time mm-hmm. um you know in this area he knows you guys you know you guys have had a relationship with coach mark a lot longer you've had a relationship with me you know pretty much all you guys have been so i think that was really strong you know I, mark is i mean he was just like i mean there was really a no-brainer you know he's an amazing coach you know amazing personality yeah. <laughs> everything that you can 
you guys can, can imagine. And I knew that for MG Training Center to be successful, um, it, it was important to have like s- staple individuals that that were reliable, um, you know, that were going to be there every single all the time, um, that know knew like the system that we wanted to to enforce, mm-hmm. uh, and have just good attitudes that we're going to say the right things to you guys that we're going to um enforce like good habits and and the things that we emphasize so you know coach mark was amazing and eric i've known for a long time like eric and i um were actually going to be roommates at iowa state um and then when i you know i came to penn state and eric was still there finished his career you know grandview and then he came to penn state to wrestle for nineline wrestling club so we've been friends for a long time um, yeah. just, you know, kind of thought that he would be a great addition and just a different, you know, different personalities, you know, I mm-hmm. think it's important, you know, so it doesn't become like robotic and, and like monotonous and boring because mm-hmm. I mean, route with the club, it's, it's a choice, you know, like a high school practice or middle school practice isn't as much of a choice. Like you're, you know, you just kind of, you just sort of show up and it is what it is. Yeah. Whoever the coaches are the coaches, but with the club, it's a choice. Like if you don't like, that then you can go somewhere else or you don't have to be there you know it's a it's it's you guys have to make a decision every night at six o'clock hey am I going to get up and go to practice or am I going to stay home so I think having a good environment and people that you want to be around is going to encourage people to make that decision more often than not say hey you know what I do want to go to practice tonight because I believe it's going to make me better and I'm going to have a good environment and positive role models and things so I Mm -hmm. thought um, that 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 was a good team that they and um, I believe that they've definitely been able to do that um, every day since we started. Yeah. And, you know, something I was, I was thinking about was, you know, uh, oftentimes like high, high school wrestlers, they have the problem of like, you know, they go to practice and they do their same old warm up, and the coach says the same old things and they just kind of go into cruise control, you know? And I was thinking like, I don't know if I've had practices at M2 where I've just, you know, put into cruise control. Cause like, they're all they're all really different you know and they're all really unique and and they're all geared specifically you know like they're they're all generally geared towards the whole you know club but they also like there's always something that i can like um attribute to myself like personally um if that makes sense like i can take something out of each practice um so you know obviously having coach martin coach eric and coach pataki and um, and all these guys, like it, it really helps keep us mentally um, invested. Um, and so the other thing you you just said was, you know, having a coaching staff that'll help you guys, uh, like implement your system into the in the wrestlers. So you obviously have like a very, uh, you know, well developed like philosophies and strategies about wrestling. Um, how did you de- how did you go about like choosing these for for the club? Well, I think I it's interesting. Like I had a I remember when I first started, I like wrote down this like long thing of like you know breaking things down between setup shots, finishes, you know drills, things that I thought would be just beneficial. You know, like mm-hmm. looking back in my career and trying to figure out what, what things helped me, uh, the most, you know, and, and then I'm balancing that because there are a lot of things that help me, you know, that I don't think are going to help everybody else. 
Um, you know, like I, I don't think that the route that I took to be successful starting at, you know, seven, eight years old, I don't think is a replicable process for everybody. You know, it burns right. out 99% of the people, like the people that I started with, only a few of us made it to the highest level, yeah. you know, and you would think looking back, you know, 20 years ago, like, wow, I wasn't even the best guy then, you know, there were guys that were better than me when I was eight, nine, 10 years old, you know, but I started to, um, you know, continue with like the process that, that I was on, you know, and I continue to catch and pass those guys up over time. And you look back, you're like, I cannot believe those guys didn't pan out. Why, why weren't they successful? And I think it was a lot of the training. It was short-sighted, like the techniques that they were doing weren't for the longevity of their career. You know, you can teach certain things at a young age and kids can be successful, you know, and that's something that, you know, we, we we talk about all the time. We're like, we should, maybe we should do more of these things and, you know, to, you know, they'll have more success now, you know, but then it's just like, you're, 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 you're outweighing sometimes like, well, the things that the techniques that they're learning now are going to help them 10 years from now. They're not going to just help them 10 months from now. So, yeah. It, so that you know, going back to kind of like the things that we wrote down when we first started, it's changed a lot. It's been a lot of trial. It definitely has been a lot of tri- trial and error. You know, mm-hmm. of like, wow, this guys aren't really responding to these things. You know, maybe we should try something a little bit different. You know, trying to continue to be innovative in like our message and our delivery process, and then finding out the things that do work, and then working you know more with those things. So, right. um, so it's been it's definitely been good. Um. But I think ultimately, you know, how, how choosing those things, it's like, well, I think what was able to make the biggest difference in my career, you know, whether it was techniques, men- mentality, um, just like certain situations that are, you know, we call it that situational wrestling that we've been working on now that yeah. I take for granted sometimes that I've just done, whether it was like my way I was motivated or just if it was natural or whatever it may be, and then breaking those things down. And I, I feel like that's, where we've had a lot of success is like not you know we spent two years on like just getting the basics down of like what we want to do and now I think we can start getting into more of those fine-tuning things that I think will help help you guys you know continue to make make jumps so mm-hmm. and a lot of it's just this choice you know it's like it's your guys's choice on how frequently do you want to be there you know and how how much do you want to really listen to what we're saying and I think the older you guys are and the more success you have the harder it is to change. Right. And that's just right. the truth, you know, and, and then, you know, those, those guys that have really tried to dedicate it and make the changes are seeing the, seeing the, the success a little bit faster. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of it is on you guys, you know, like we try and give you the tools um, and then it's a matter of how much do you believe in what we're trying to do, you know, and then and go on and make it work. So, yeah. you know, that's, uh, that's the exciting thing about being an athlete is having that ownership you know, not someone just telling you what to do, but also be able to make the choice, you know, along the way. Right. So you have like, um, you have a very distinct style, you know, you got wrestle a lot of inside ties and there's a lot of snaps, a lot of action, you know, your hands are always staying on him. Um, now what do you think about other, like, you know, really, really successful guys who make, who make a living off of outside ties? So like, you know, Jason Nolf and, and Bo Nickel, who, do a lot of outside tie snaps. Mm. Well, I mean, it's just difference in, in styles and opinions, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I can't, div- can't give away all my secrets <laughs> knowing that I, I'm still a competitor, you know? So, yeah. you know, I think that's, again, something that's unique with you guys is you guys kind of get an inside look into what I think and, and why I think these things are important. 
you know, yeah. and you guys are the only ones that really know that stuff. So, mm. um, I think, I think that there's lots of technique. You know, we talk about it all the time that there's lots of techniques out there that work and they work for everybody. You know, I, I just try and find things that I think will help the most people the majority of the time, you know, and then people right. are going to come with creative, creative ways that are going to help them more. Right. That's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's part of the growing process. But, um, you know, I just think that, uh, I think that ultimately trying to give you guys the tools uh, that I believe will help you be successful, you know, at a higher percentage. Yeah. And something else was like, especially at the beginning of M2, but, you know, even, you know, uh, over the summer and stuff, like I felt that there was a lot of um, emphasis on just like getting the basics down, you know, like learning how to hit a correct penetration step you know, learning how to, you know, get, get your hips into your chest in and like, so like relearning bad ha- habits, you know, like relearning them to, um, to do it automatically, like the best way. Um, and it, it's really interesting about how over the course of the past year or so, like it's been like, we, we've had like the foundation and now we're sl- slowly starting to make it more personal you know, and finding out what works for the, for the individual wrestler a little bit more. So that's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, how long have you wanted to coach, you know, like youth in high school? I think, you know, growing up and, and traveling all over the place and being around a lot of people, you know, when I, when I moved to Ohio, it was nice to be in, in like one kind of staple environment. Uh, for mm-hmm. a long time and then being then moving to, obviously and living here in Penn State for the last 10 years being in, in a stable environment um, obviously being exposed to lots of different coaching styles um, I think during each time in my career there were times that I definitely want to coach there are times like I don't want to do this at all there's definitely times I wanted to coach and I think um, I would say that I've always wanted, like, I, I enjoy helping people. You know, I'm definitely mm-hmm. passionate. I'm trying to, like, share my knowledge, um, you know, or the knowledge that I've gained over time. So I, it's, a, it's a tough t- question to say, hey, this is exactly the time that I knew I wanted to do it. Um, but I would say that, obviously, in 2017, you know, that, that summer, I remember uh, just being like, hey, I think in central Pennsylvania, there was a need for the, for the club, you know, I looked around right. and it's like these, you know, you guys, I didn't really know you guys that well, but there wasn't really like something consistent for you guys to go to, you know, uh, Bison Legends had just kind of st- stopped, mm-hmm. you know, having their program. And uh, I just thought it was a good timing, you know, coach Mark and I had always talked about doing a club together. And I always told him, Hey, it's, this is down the road. I don't think I can balance that while I'm competing. And then that summer I'm like, I can do this. I can balance this. You know, we, we can put, we can put uh, together, you know, a good, a good, Thing. Yeah, and, um, I remember that for the very first brags that we had, uh, we had two groups with the youth group, and then we had the junior and high school group, and mm-hmm. there was like seven kids in the youth group, and I was like, wow, this is gonna be such a failure. Nobody believes that. Uh, no one believes that. You know, I can balance them or whatever it may be. And that second group, I remember by the time I was like investing the little kids, and by the time I looked up, I'm like, wow, this room is full. Like there was like 50 yep. guys there. I'm like, wow, okay, this is this is exciting. You know, I remember that. I remember leaving that practice like really excited you know and i i, I definitely you know, 
continue with that excitement over that time period. So um, maybe it was that day. You know, maybe that day was when I truly, really believed um, that we, we could do something pretty cool and unique. And uh, it's just built since then. How has your, like, um, perception of coaching changed from year one to, you know, now year three? It's interesting. I, I feel like it's definitely helped. Like I mentioned, we talked about before, it's definitely helped me as, as an athlete mm-hmm. appreciate coaching a lot more. Um, you know, I think I've always tried to be grateful to my coaches and thank them after practice and shake their hands, you know, and, and say thank you. But to really understand, like, it's given me a much more appreciation from the athlete side, you know, real, you know, just like right. what, the, you know, what, like, for example, like what Coach Casey does to help me, like he travels all, you know, he's leaving his family, like, and he's going like to, to Turkey, he's going to Budapest, he's going to wherever these places are and spending five, six, seven, eight days at a time. And he's just available to help me, you know, and like you sometimes when you're in the moment, you know, being a competitor, you get you're selfish and you just think that everyone's just going to help you and you're going to get your goals. Mm-hmm. And whatever. But the only way that you can achieve your goals is there's somebody that's selfless that's helping you along the way, you know, and I think that in doing this, you know, realizing that that side of it here, you know, and and, and uh, just having uh, gaining that appreciation. So I think. um So that's it's definitely been. uh like I said, it's just been a complete learning process. You know, I'm still really young in my, I believe I'm young in my competition career and, mm-hmm. and very young in, in the coaching career, but um, definitely it's changed to where I believe, you know, doing, doing this, the club system and, and developing, you really have the opportunity to develop a kid from five years old, you know, and, and with like habits and things, you know, right. and develop them all the way through to their 18 and they go on to the next level is something that I've become extremely passionate about, you know, and I just, Again, can't do it without a great team, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I think that we can definitely continue to do some pretty awesome things. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, there was some kids, you know, so at the youth practice, there's a lot of like beginning wrestlers, but there was this kid who came in a couple weeks back for his first ever wrestling practice. He was having an M2. And I remember being like, hey, bud, what's your name? Let's let's work on doing the move or whatever. And he just had, like, no idea how to wrestle, like, even a little bit. He didn't know what he was getting himself into. And it was just really cool to, you know, starting out with a, a complete blank slate, right? And and we can mold this kid into the kind of wrestler and the, and the kind of person that, you know, M2 wants to, to, to produce. And that's the other thing is um, not only is M2 developing us as wrestlers, but... I know that for me, like it's developed me as a person too, you know, it's, it's taught me discipline and, and the value of hard work. And sometimes you got to just get, be tough. You know, that's really, M2 has really helped me, you know, in my personal growing up. So, um, there's a lot of, a lot of good things are coming out of M2. Um, coach David, do you remember, uh, are youth tournaments like you remember them? You know, youth in middle school stuff. Uh, yes and no. You know, I think when when I when when I was coming up through, you know, the du- the du- the dual tournaments are so dominant now at, in the youth level. And, mm-hmm. and when I was doing it, it was it was all tournaments. You know, like I remember there was like one national middle school duels, and then um, and it was primarily by state. Um, it wasn't really like a club thing, and then. 
there was the, you know, the schoolboy national duels, the freestyle and Greco duels, mm-hmm. and they were big. And that was kind of only two like big duels then. You know, all of it was individuals. And, and back then it was kind of like you had the Tulsa series, you know, and it was like those, you know, the kickoff, the Tulsa Nationals and the Reno Worlds. And those three tournaments were like the dominant tournaments. That's where right. all the best kids, you know, 64, 128 man brackets, you know, so truly kind of developing like, hey, you win these tournaments, like you're a national champ, you know, you are the best. And then, you know, as I started going through, then there was like other series that started, you know, and it's like other series that started. And I think that the national tournament scene started to get watered down a little bit. Like I remember, you know, we would do these camps in the summer and, you know, you would have like the name, like Logan Sieber and, and, and myself were typically like the names at the top of the board. And then we would have like all these guys there and like, you know, our name and it would be like, you know, 57 time national champion, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, it's kind of, it, it's an in- interesting numbering though. And, but it's, it can be inflated, you know, like how many of those yeah. were truly like national tournaments, you know? And I think now, now it's changed to where it's all the dual tournaments, you know, which are, they're positives and negatives to them. You know, I think they're from a club, you know, we try and as much as possible, like I want our guys to be competitive and I want our guys to get the best, best matches, but you know, if you're going to like right now, it's all about like trying to get in the gold pool. Well, to get in the gold pool, you're primarily going to wrestle against all-star teams, you know, teams that are formulated from the best kids in the country, Mm -hmm. you know? So if you're on a club team, you know, like where if you, you know, the guys that maybe aren't ready for that level of competition, you know, it's, it's not really a beneficial thing for them to be there. Um, You know, it can be more harm than good to an extent. Whereas, you know, definitely the guys that are ready for it, you know, they benefit from those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas in a tournament, also in duels, there's no, like, there's no, you know, repercussion of, Hey, if, if you, you know, if you're, if you're down by one and you don't go get that takedown and you lose, well, you, you're just guaranteed another match and you're guaranteed another match. Well, you still, the emphasis on the year is still to win a state championship. Well, in a state championship, you have to navigate a bracket. You have to win yeah. four or five tournaments in a row, four or five matches in a row to win that tournament. Tough matches, especially in Pennsylvania, you know, like mm-hmm. I would say to an extent, like winning a, a, an elementary or PJW state title is, that's no easy task, you know, like you, you're going to have to navigate and beat multiple good people in a bracket, you know, and, uh, and some, some people multiple times, you know, like some, you know, just to get out of your area, you may have yeah four best guys in the state, you know, just to get through. So that's one thing I think that the duels hurt the youth development is it doesn't help promote that. Now there are lots of tournaments out there, obviously. And I think the best kids typically are doing both, but the duels from a financial side, from a parent, you know, are a little bit more effective because you're going to get yeah. eight, nine, ten matches and, and things like that were, but, you know, so I think it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, you're trying to, to try and figure out what the best way is. You know, I don't, I don't know yet, you know, it's definitely going to take some, some trial and error. I think that it's definitely a balance, but one thing I found is you look around and you're, you're the best kids are going to so gravitate towards the best tournaments you know, mm-hmm. so, or best duels or whatever they may be. But I think balancing, balancing those things is definitely important um, throughout the time. So that's been the biggest change that, from what I remember, um, parents are still crazy. Uh-huh. You know, that's definitely <laughs> still a thing. Um, you know, I think it's definitely gotten more competitive. I just think when, you know, when I was coming through, there's only, only, there's really only like one or two clubs that were like kind of like the premier specialized clubs there wasn't a lot of like private coaching it was kind of i remember that kind of starting towards the end you know where like guys were gravitating towards like private lessons and stuff where now 
it seems like there's a lot of really good clubs. There's a lot of good private coaching out there. And I think kids right. are, are, are pretty dang good at young age. So the battle that we're going to face now in this generation is can, can, can the coaches of this generation sustain that over time? Can they keep mm-hmm. kids motivated and excited? You know, if they're great at nine or 10 years old, can they be great at 22, 23 or 24 years old? Mm-hmm. You know, cause it's a long time to carry that to carry that, you know, uh, expectation, you know, for, if you don't have the right environment to do so. So yeah, that's, sure. I think going to be our biggest task with these kids being as good as they are, as young as they are right now. Yeah. And you can go to like, especially in PA, like you can go to a local tournament and be, you know, like below average wrestler and you go to this local tournament and you can have just monsters and, you know, that, that just cause the, the depth especially in Pennsylvania, but, you know, now all over the country, the depth of, of good wrestlers is it's growing exponentially. Lots and lots of kids are getting good. Um, well, I just, bit- just here in central Pennsylvania, you know, like between the, the Nathan wrestling club tournament in March and mm-hmm. the Belfont tournament, the Fornicola, I mean, you're getting like, I mean, those are two top 100 tournaments that are within 10 miles distance from most of the kids here, you know? So right. you're get, like I, I went to the state college tournament, as a kid from, 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 uh, I wrestled the Alton brothers. I came out here and wrestled, you know, as a kid. So, I mean, I, I came to that tournament however long ago that was 15 years ago. So it's yeah. been good for a long time. Um, you know, just this year, like a couple kids from uh, Idaho wrestled in the state college tournament two years ago. And now they came out in our training at M2 this summer. So I think it's just, you know, these local tournaments are very high level, you know, like it's not, right. possible, you know, it's just interesting. Like you, as you jump, like you can find in Pennsylvania, you know, within a three hour radius, you can find the best kids in the country. So yeah. we're definitely fortunate to have that ability. How, how do you think, uh, so let's say, let's say the M2 training center wasn't in Pennsylvania. Let's say it was like some pretty, uh, pretty sparse area for, uh, for competition and, and stuff like that. How do you think your expectations and your, and your coaching would have changed? Well, you know, I think that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I would live in a sports environment, you know? Mm-hmm. So, right, you know, right. Being, I think, you know, the situation of where we're at right now with why, why this was kind of able to happen is because I live here and I train full time, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, that you, you be kind of changing the entire dynamic. Like if we were in a sports location, like I probably wouldn't be competing anymore, you know? So it would yeah. be um you know that would definitely be interesting but i i would say it would start the same you know like i i still believe you know taking kids at a blank slate you know and being able to you know you probably the process would take a little more time you know i think we're able to have a little bit of an accelerated plan here because we're gift we're surrounded with a lot of gifted wrestlers yeah. you know and yeah. knowledge you know so i think you know you're still and a lot of people get caught up on wrestling partners. You know, you definitely, you, there's a, there's a balance between developing technique and mentality um, and all, and being on a challenge that against good wrestling partners. I mean, you mm-hmm. can find partners, you can find competition, you know, but it's hard to find really quality coaching. So right. you know, I think that you can still develop them and then you can strategically find the partners and, and the competition when time is ready, you yeah. know? So I think that's, that would be the biggest definitely difference in, in that type of environment. Mm. Um, so coach, how do you help kids 
who have like mental struggles. You know, they have all the technique and they they might have the attitude or but they, you know, they can't like put it together. How can you help a kid like that? Uh, I mean, I think you could probably help relate to that question. Yeah. You know, I think when I when I first started with you, you were a guy that I, I saw. I'm like, this kid's got all the talent. You know, all the techniques, he has all, everything he needs, he just, like, doesn't believe, you know? And I think, you know, it's – I think, man, we're kind of going back to that barrier thing, you know, and you being able to trust me and the things that I'm talking to you about. Um, I think – and I think you've been able to come a long way. You know, obviously, we have a long ways that we want to continue to go. But um, I think, it, you know, like I said, I think going back, I think it's trusting, you know, like trusting in, in what, what we're saying, you know, to, to you guys. You know, I think just continuing to uh, – Hopefully, you know, I think belief is when you talk to a lot of like one, a lot of the highest level competitors out there, you know, like obviously I can relate to wrestling because that's where I've been around, you know, guys at, the, at, at elite level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the better sport, like it doesn't really, you know, the most talented guys aren't always the ones that are the best. You know, right. you, you need talent, like to be the best at what you're going to do to be elite. You need talent. Like there's definitely no, no doubt about that. You have to be able to do certain things that people can't do, you know, but that talent could be lots of things, you know, it could be mental toughness. It could be endurance. It could be speed strength, you know, so understanding like where, where are you above average or, you know, or elite in, and then, you know, and then where, where do you need to continue to improve in? And I think, you know, so like great, great athletes, the greatest athletes aren't always the greatest competitors. Right. Um, you know, and vice versa, you know, the greatest competitors aren't always the greatest athletes. So I think it's just, Hey, you know, you, you have what you need. Um, let's build these things or I'm lacking in these areas, you know, let's improve these areas and then we'll, we'll have what we need to be successful. You know, I think mm-hmm. I went through that, you know, I think in, um, you know, that, that kind of area is important to me. You know, I think graduating college, I was obviously successful. And I just kind of thought that the next level was just the success was just going to come. Like, oh, well, I'm just going to just the success, the dominance that I had. I'll just do that. I'm going to be an Olympic champion because I always wanted to be an Olympic champion. I told myself I'd be one that always happened. Well, mm-hmm. reality was I was wrestling a lot of other guys that were also professionals and they're fighting for their families. And they didn't care what my previous whatever was when I was wrestling in Turkey and Azerbaijan. Like they didn't care, you know, and yeah. uh, I had to kind of really dig down and like really kind of re- refine my fire of why I want to be successful and I had to improve in a lot of areas you know obviously going up in weight class being one of them you know big one you know developing strength um and just mentally being like I'm willing to fight through these positions where most people aren't in my training you know same thing like I'm willing to push through this workout longer than I believe everyone else will um Mm -hmm. and whether that's the truth or not I believe that you know and I think when I was able to do that, I think I can speak more truth when talking to you guys um, about those things. You know, I'm not just speaking on based on what yeah. I think will work. I'm, I'm kind of I'm speaking on based on personal experience of what worked for me. So mm-hmm. I hopefully that would be, uh, you know, but again, that's just like if you're there more often and you're listening to what we're saying more often, you're more likely to, you know, buy in and, and want to make those change. And I believe it, it took you almost two years you know, and then when yeah. you did, you know, I think uh, I noticed a big difference to you and just the way you're practicing and the way you, you're competing now, you know, it's just continuing to believe in that process, you know, mm-hmm. obviously it's going to be the biggest challenge moving forward. So, 
Right. How do you plan to go forward with M2? Like, what are your plans for the future? I can't divulge all of our secrets. Okay, then. <laughs> but I think, you know, just, I think as time goes on, you've been able to continue to, you know, build upon what we're doing. Um, you know, I don't ever want to like, I don't ever want to put something out there that, you know, we can't be able to put, to do it at the best of our abilities. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think uh, I would like to eventually be able to have a bigger camp system, you know, more mm-hmm. um, just to be able to bring, you know, a lot of guys don't have the ability to train, you know, on a consistent basis to live too far away or whatever it may be. So, you know, I think have a more, um, you know, consistent camp system, I think would be definitely a, uh, definitely a piece of the plan. Um, I think I'd like to be able to uh, provide strength and conditioning, you know, for you mm-hmm. guys. Um, but ultimately the more I think about those things, the more I realize that you, you got to have a, a core foundation of wrestling first, you know, and I think that other stuff comes like if you, you know, rest, there's nothing that's gonna make you stronger than wrestling. You know, there's <laughs> nothing that's gonna make you more mentally tough than wrestling. So that will always be primary, you know, and just, I think sometimes we can get too cute and excited about all these other things, you know, lose track of like, what's the main focus and that's becoming the best wrestler that we can be. So, you know, that's the thing that I can constantly try to always keep, keep in balance. But, um, and I think the biggest thing is just a lot of people are still pretty unaware of him, of him too, you know, like they, whether they don't think that I'm involved in it or, um, you know, they don't really know about it as much so just continue to grow our awareness based on you know guys like you and the rest of the kids that are going out and wrestling the best of their abilities and trying to represent you know what we're doing you know i think um you know that's uh this will come with time yeah i mean like this past 40 minutes have basically been like one giant m2 ad <laughs> um so i mean a little quick topic topic change here. Um, you know, how far out are you from the Olympic trials? We are uh, 19 and a half weeks from today. Man, so, how, how, how excited were you to find out that they were in state college? It's, uh, I mean, it's a pretty amazing opportunity. You know, I think right. just... You know, I built I built a home here over the last 10 years. So, you know, wrestling finalized last year was pretty awesome. You know, having the opportunity to wrestle in front of my friends and family, you know, my M2 family mm-hmm. included, you know, I think is going to be pretty, pretty awesome. And then for me personally, just, you know, being able to, uh, you know, climb the ladder, being a world champion in 2018, you know, getting injured and not being able to wrestle in 2019, you know, in my, in my homecoming, being able to wrestle in front of, you know, the people that I've, you know, shared a lot of my success with over the last decade, um, you know, to, to be able to, and to have the opportunity to achieve something that I've wanted for the better part of 20 years of my life. So, um, it's definitely a pretty exciting thing. Just got to remind myself every day, like it's amazing opportunity and just keep working. And, uh, yeah. so that's fun. That's awesome. What do you think about, uh, Kyle Snyder coming to the NLWC? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. You know, mm-hmm. He's just, he's a great kid. Um, he just, his mentality, his mindset, his personality, you know, his morals, you know, everything that he stands for, you know, is just, 
they're good. There's nothing really bad. You know, you can't really nothing bad that you can you can't mm-hmm. really say Kyle Snyder's name and think about something bad. So, um, and then and that's not even talking about his wrestling ability. So I think, um, you know, just going back and, and spending a lot of time with Kyle over the last you know three years. You know, we roomed together quite a bit overseas and went to a lot of the same tournaments, competing together. So, you know, now you know have him on the team is is pretty awesome. You know, I'm uh, definitely looking forward. And he wants to wrestle for a long time, and so do I. So, yeah. you know, we'll be uh, you know definitely we'll be training partners for you know, who knows how long. So that's yeah. going to be pretty fun. And, you know, it's also, it's good for the, the NLWC brand too, you know, to have like already someone who's incredibly successful being like, Hey, this is where you need to go. If you want to get, if you want to reach the next level, you know, man, like someone as good as Kyle Snyder changing training environments and packing up and moving is that's something that a lot of people noticed at the time. And, and, NLWC, I think, is probably going to continue to grow from here on out. Well, I just, you know, we have an amazing coaching staff. And right. We have an amazing group of partners. You know, I think for the last couple of years, like, you know, I know when I compete, I have tons of faith that my partners 100% prepare me for anything that I'm going to wrestle against overseas, you know? So I have so much partner variety here. And I think, you know, anyone that wants to be the best at what they do, I mean, Ninja Latin Wrestling Club is, it should be the clear cut number one place you want to be. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a full-time training environment um, with great coaching, dedicated people, um, and people with similar goals. We're all trying to – we have – I mean, I don't know how many age group world or Olympic champions we have now off the top of my head, but I, I want to say it's like five or six, maybe mm-hmm. more than that. You know, medalists, you know, we're probably around 10. So, I mean, that's that's pretty special, you know. So, it's just continuing to build, um, you know, continue to build every day as we're all trying to achieve our goals. Right. So, okay, here here's – we're going to take it back just a little bit, but you know, how, how did you get into the sport of wrestling? Well, I was five years old and I was like full, full of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, my mom saw an ad in the paper. We lived in Evanston, Wyoming for the red devil wrestling club. And my dad was on a trip. He's a pilot for Delta airlines. And she said, you know, Dave, we want to put, uh, we want to put David in wrestling, you know, and, and that's obviously like, sure. Might have had a brief wrestling right. career in high school. Um, so, you know, I went and, uh, it was horrible, but I like, nice. it. <laughs> not really sure why, um, I got beat, you know, doing the novice circuit, I got beat the whole time, but at the end of the year, like it was like the last novice tournament and I won the last like novice tournament. And I remember asking my dad, Hey, when's the next tournament? And he's like, Hey Dave, well, you know, season's over. And I was genuinely like sad, you know, like, well, I want, you know, when's the next tournament. And then at the end of the year, you know, one of my, you know, I've, you know, one of my probably proudest accolades, even though doesn't really mean anything you know it was like very first year um you know like the awards banquet in the season and yeah uh, you know, they go through all the awards mvp best wrestler you know best hair um coolest kid <laughs> and then they get down and they're like well we got to still give an award to somebody but you know it's like i got most attentive which is like basically means the worst wrestler that pays attention the most and uh i don't know i mean that i think that probably kept like, me in it, you know yes that's what and, i was going uh, for you know, by the next year I got better, you know, the third year I was pretty good. And, you know, by the, my, my fourth year, I was, you know, competing at any tournament I was national stage. So it was just, uh, I don't, I don't know. I had a gift in wrestling and I could, I could see things and I could do them, you know? Right. So like I didn't, and then, you know, we talked about this, you know, being in a remote location, like I was in Evanston, Wyoming, like there wasn't a lot around mm-hmm. that area. We were traveling constantly, you know, an hour and 45 minutes practice, you know, my dad was 
my mom and dad would put me in the car and drive me every weekend to competitions and I would wrestle two age groups and two divisions and multiple weight classes and exhibitions because that was basically my practice you know trying to get eight or ten matches in was practice for me pretty much um so and my dad just had a definitely unique way of challenging me and I always I responded to that and um just constantly was trying to like improve and uh so you know it's definitely looking back like I don't know if I could have been that successful in a lot of other sports because I was so small, you know, being, you know, being 98 pounds as a freshman in high school, you know, I, I there weren't really yeah. a lot of other things I could have, you know, been able to excel in. So, you know, definitely glad that I chose wrestling and my parents mm-hmm. pushed me and provided the opportunities along the way. Um, so it's been uh, definitely grateful yeah. for, uh, you know, starting wrestling that, that many years ago. Did you have a, a cognizant moment? where you knew you loved it did something was there like a, a moment or like an event or something and you're like man I love this sport I don't remember that honestly you know I just I was um you know once I started having success what I do remember was you know I started having success you know of, of, you know, with a handful of moves and right. when those moves wouldn't work I would get really frustrated you know legitimately like crying on the mat mm-hmm. and um you know, I would, you know, neck wrenching and, uh, you know, all the garbage moves. Um, but I, I won tournaments, won big tournaments with those, with those moves, you know, and I was just pretty tough, you know, like I didn't ever want to lose. I was super competitive, but when my dad started to see that, he's like, Hey, we're not, we're, we're not doing this. You know, you're gonna, you, you're gonna go out and you're gonna hit five different takedowns and then you're going to do this or that. And that was the best thing he ever did because I saw it as a game, you know, it wasn't like, well, I can't right. do that. Well, I'm like, well, why can't I do that? You know, why can't I score 15 points and then pin somebody? You know, so it was like uh-huh. I got triggered that way young. And I think that was probably the best thing my dad ever did, you know, 100%. You know, just and I was just motivated in that way. So I just I had this expectation that it's like, well, if I'm not, you know, doing, you know, scoring that many points and, and, and doing this many different techniques, then, um, you know, I'm not making the most of, of my time here. And I, right. I guess that would be love. Um, not really realizing at the time, you know, mm-hmm. and it just became kind of expectation over as time went on. Man, was, um, did you have one match from your like youth or high school career that had the like impact on your wrestling today? Like something like a win or a loss maybe that really affected you? Um, a couple, um, I think, you know, I remember the first time there was this kid, this like local kid that I couldn't beat my first couple of years, you know, mm-hmm. he had the, the arm throws and the headlocks and those things. And, you know, and my dad kept telling me, Hey, you're going to beat this kid. You'll beat this kid. You'll beat this kid. And I remember I got to the point where I was getting closer to beating him and closer to beating him and closer to beating him. And then I got, he started then going different weight classes. So I would weigh in and he'd be at 60 or he'd be at 52 or whatever it may be, you know? And uh-huh. I got, uh, he started, he went down the weight below me. I don't know. It was like 52 pounds, something. And I got sick that week and I showed up to the tournament and I weighed like 52 pounds. So I ended up being in the same bracket as this kid. And, um, and I beat him. And I remember that was like one of the first times, you know, being my second, I think it was second year wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, I think was like, all right, well, you know, th- I remember that. And then um, I remember losses more than I do wins, you know, cause mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't lose that much. So, you know, those obviously, you know, I remember those a lot more. Um, right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I always just love the challenge, you know, like I wanted to go and 
I just, I didn't want to just win. I wanted to dominate people, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that was, uh, and I remember over time, like guys that beat me, you know, younger, you know, and, and starting to pass the, them up, you know, over time was pretty exciting. Some of those guys I didn't until high school, but, um, yeah. but when that happened or in college, you know, but when that happened, it felt pretty great. Mm-hmm. Just remembering that stuff worked. When did you first know that you wanted to wrestle for, uh, for coach Kale? I was, I was like eight years old. Um, you know, I remember watching him. Well, I mean, I mem- tried to mimic as much as I could, you know, with mm-hmm. him, like watching him wrestle and like, how dominant he was in college. And I remember mm-hmm. watching, and it wasn't like my dad told me this. I remember watching him being like, you know, two to one, five to three, zero, you know, one, zero overtime. Kale would just like dominate his people. And I'm like, dang, that's how I want to wrestle. I don't want yeah. to win by one point. I want to like dominate people. You know, I want to do what he's doing. And so I, like when I, when I said before, I could see things and I would do it. Like I would watch him do it. And I tried to invest in my ability to like do what he was doing. So he had a huge impact on my life before he even ever knew that, you know? So, you know, I think I always had this, you know, man, I want to wrestle for that guy one day. So when the opportunity came around, you know, it was really, it was almost like it was, it was so much a no brainer that I was trying to like overthink it. Maybe I should do these other things, but you know, I, I always knew deep down that, you know, Coach Kale and his staff was the only place that would develop me and make me become a better wrestler long term. And uh, it was obviously the greatest decision I ever made and definitely yeah. held true. So, um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing how impactful people can be even when you don't know them. Before you went to, to PSU, did you have a, uh, a relationship with the coaches? Um, I remember Casey Cunningham, uh, you know, just at the you know Olympic Training Center, like when he was still competing, I was just a little kid. You know, I, I had a lot of people that said like, hey, you should spend time with this guy. He's super special. Yeah. Um, Casey's like really reserved and held back. You know, he's mm-hmm. not like, a, he's not very. So um, I remember trying to pick his brain about stuff and, you know, as a young kid. Um, and, and Kale and Cody, I've known for a long time. You know, one of my first coaches was their dad, Steve Sanderson. We used to drive to Wasatch, Utah. So, um, you know, and, uh, so I remember like rolling around with Kale and Cody and, and watching them like wrestle at Iowa State and like see them in the summers. Their dad used to always put on this camp in the summers. They'd come back for it. So, I mean, I knew them. I remember like as a kid going, you know, thinking I was cool going up to like Tulsa National Service, like bringing all my friends up. Like, yeah, come, come, come talk to Kale. I know him. And like now, now yeah. that's like, I mean, he's probably like, who is this little dweeb coming up to me and you know bothering with all these people but you know i think it's uh you know but it was cool i mean like what i don't know if he remembered it or not but mm-hmm. just him you know like acknowledging when i come up like it meant the world to me you know so i think i've always tried to adapt that as much as possible you know people you know now when people come up to me you know i you know always you never know what that relationship's going to do down the road and i know how valuable that was for me so you know hopefully having that same impact on other people now, you know, so, um, so that's been, you know, like I said, he's made a big impact on my life, even in ways that he didn't know. Man, that's, that's really special to have some, you know, to have, to have like a hero like that. Um, it's really cool. So your first year at PSU, or so you like redshirted, right? Um, how, how did that first year go? you know, coming off of the high school? It was, it went, I mean, I was struggling. Um, I lost uh, twice during the year. Um, it opened tournaments. 
but I was starting to kind of figure stuff out. You know, I, I was still in the midst of growing. I was 135, 112 pounds as junior in high school, 135 as a senior. And I was wrestling 157 as a freshman, you know? So like oh, just yeah. the strength and speed of those guys, I had a hard time adjusting to. Um, I think if, like, if I look back and like, if I would have wrestled that year, I'd probably been at 149. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, like I wasn't, I wasn't truthfully, I wasn't ready to, uh, I wasn't really ready to be at the national stage at that point. Yeah. You know, just because of the physical maturity side of it at that weight class, those weight classes. Yeah. You know? I was good, you know, in areas that I was good in, but I had a lot of areas that I definitely needed to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I was fortunate to have really good partners, you know, Dan Valmont was a NCAA runner up. Kyler Sanderson was multi-time All-American, Frank Valnero multiple time all American national champ, you know, like those guys kicked my butt for a long time when I first mm-hmm. got but you know, like they definitely helped me make adjustments. I think I was ready like about the time the NCAAs came around was when I was I would have been ready to compete. You know, I think it took me yeah. that process. But by the time March came around, I would have been able to compete. I don't know if I could have won a national championship that year, but I would have been able to I think I could have definitely been an all American. But then shortly after that, it was like June that summer, um, June or July that summer was when I really made a big jump. And that's when I had the confidence that I could like dominate at the next level. So I, I could do it in practice. And then, you know, obviously kind of starting that freshman year, like, like a banshee, you know, yeah. the like, you know, momentum was rolling. And I, I just kind of like, it was super, uh, you know, just that progression that I had made, like I, I beat Nick Moore, who was still in high school at the time, like in three periods in freestyle that summer at, at the uh, junior filas or whatever, I beat him in three periods. He beat me in one of the periods, you know, one zero, right. two, whatever. I lost at Derek St. John, and then I barely beat Nick Solzer. So those were like another first two high school kids and a freshman. And I remember like being like, wow, I, uh, this is, you know, <laughs> I think I've gotten worse, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, but sometimes when you're getting better, you get worse, you know? And I remember just the coaches continue to remind me of those things. And then later that summer, uh, Conrad Poles like whooped my butt at, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like junior trials, you know, and then go on when I was in college, you know, I made your decision tech fall pin those guys, you know? So yeah. it was, it was just like, I mean, St. John was definitely the best. Um, he was really good. He was a good wrestler. You know, we challenged, he bat, we battled in college multiple times. You know, right. he, made, he made good adjustments as we went on each match that we wrestled. But um, I just had this – once I kind of got that momentum rolling, um, you know, mm-hmm. I just – I believed I could, you know, wrestle at a high level. So, you know, it was and it was like uh, I got better. And then like three or four months later, I was just like 8 to 10 to 12 points better than guys that I were. So, yeah. you know, it was just when it happened, it happened and just kept trying to improve. Because it's interesting because, you know – you were like number one in high school. You killed everybody, right? And then you went from high school. You took a year off, and the next time we saw you at Penn State, you were just mauling everybody, right? So it's interesting because a lot of people don't know that you had that, you know, that redshirt year that was really transformative um, for you. Do you think a lot of guys go through something something like that? Um, I it depends. You know, I think. I think physical maturity plays a huge factor in that transition. Like mm-hmm. I was so physically immature, you know, like I didn't have any facial hair, no, like barely had like armpit hair at the time. So, like, 
you know, that's a huge factor. You're talking about 157 pounds. Like those are men, you know, right. like, and I was so far from that from, a, I had this technique, but like, I was just getting thrown around, you know? So mm-hmm. like, it took me months to adjust just to that. And then, you know, just like, then once it kind of caught started and I, I still didn't really even have like the physical maturity really until like two years ago, you know? So yeah. like, that was something that kind of yeah. always battled, but um, I would say that's the biggest factor. If a kid comes in and they're pretty like fast and strong and mature, I think you can make the adjustments faster. You know, I mm-hmm. think that that's what's, you know, some of the guys, you know, like that have had success that are young, you know, like that do is true freshmen that, you know, it's just, it's pretty impressive, you know, like knowing that it's just really hard to do that. You know, guys that come as true freshmen are successful is, uh, it's a really impressive feat because that's definitely no easy task. Um, mm-hmm. So you definitely, you know, I don't know if people understand how really amazing that is, you know, even, yeah. even as, a, you know, and I'm now, I think the era that I went through, you know, I feel like we kind of reset the expectation that you can be great young, right. you know, like, I think it was like, well, you can be an all American, you maybe whatever round 12, but you can win as a junior or senior. You know, I think that kind of era that we had, you know, people kind of redefine that we all believe that we could win as mm-hmm. freshmen um and then you know we were successful throughout our careers and now it's like these kids are coming in with that same belief system across the board you know it's pretty yep. and then then this next era that we're in right now is in like ridiculous you know like how many <laughs> kids that are winning national championships as freshmen are winning multiple on track for four i mean it just it just speaks volumes to uh you know that their ability because that's just it's become such an expectation now that you can do that. We forget how hard it is to do that, you know? So it's been, right. but it's, it's obviously great for our sport. How did you, um, how did you inspire yourself to keep getting better? Even when you were like already the undisputed number one. Um, I think there's times where I had lapses, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously not an easy thing to say, but I think every time I had a lapse, you know, whether it was whatever it may be, I would sort of try, I would, it forced me to get back in there and make jump, um, mm-hmm. make a jump. You know, it, it were times where I could do that faster or times that it took me longer to do that, but I've always had just a, a desire to be the best, you know? So, you know, that was always just important to me. And sometimes I got caught up just trying to, Hey, you know, maybe I'm the best now. I don't need to make adjustments, but you know, I think when I've had my most success is when it's just like, I want to be the best and I want to separate myself from everybody else. Right. And I think that's kind of always been something that I've had. And, um, it's an easy thing to say. It's definitely a hard thing to do. So, um, Mm -hmm. just having good people around me that can motivate me and keep me on track and doing those things has been really important. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you had your first overseas competition? I wrestled the junior world championships uh, right before my junior year in high school. I wrestled at 50 kilos. Um, I uh, won my first match. I got choked out. So I was like, oh, we were in Beijing, China. And uh-huh. uh, we were there. We were like two weeks early. We were in this like we were in this training camp area and the food was horrible. Like I didn't know that. You know, now I, I've like people that know me now, like I bring like a whole second suitcase full of <laughs> everything that I need when I'm over there, you know, but then I didn't know, like, I'm just like a naive kid thinking that there's going to be like food over there and stuff, but there wasn't like you're training. Right. And then, you know, the, we were, I don't know why we were the last ones to get food and it was rice and chicken feet. And I'm like, I'm not eating this. So I, I looked on rice <laughs> and watermelon for like two weeks 
Um, Bill <laughs> Kelly was our coach, and I still give him a hard time. Like, he had a whole box of, like, Pop-Tarts and this and that. And, and he's like, well, what, you didn't bring food? And I'm like, no, well, Jamil, I've never been over here. You're my coach. One was supposed to tell me this. <laughs> you know? But he, he was always – he was pretty good to me. He always gave me some snacks and things. But um, my first match, I was I was winning. I was in a scramble, and this, I got caught in a headlock, and I – I like fought to my belly and got choked out cold on the mat. Oh man. I remember like waking up and being like, Hey, am I winning? They're like, yeah. I'm like, cool. Did I get <laughs> No. I'm like, all right, cool. All so right. I won that match. And then my second match, I wrestled, uh, um, Rahimi from Iran who ended up being like a multiple time world medalist, world champion. And he just kind of smoked me. Like it was three periods. And, uh, I mean, I won the second period cause I took him feet to back, but, Mm-hmm. I mean, he beat me like three zero, three three, three zero. So he basically like took me down nine times. I had one feet to back. So I mean, he pretty much whooped me up pretty good. Jeez. Um, and uh, then I came home. Obviously wrestled my junior year in high school. And then uh, the next time I went overseas was uh, University Worlds. I went over uh, after my I think junior year in college. I I got bronze there. And then. Um, then I started the circuit, you know, after my, after mm-hmm. graduating in, in college, I started that circuit and I really didn't have that much success until, uh, really until 2017, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, I went, uh, I went to Paris in January. Then I went to the world cup in Iran in, uh, February, you know, and that was kind of like when I started to believe I could be yeah. consistently successful on the international level. When, um, what was your first senior level competition? Do you remember it? My first senior level competition, I, I think it was, uh, I think I went to Turkey. I think mm-hmm. I went to Turkey. Um, how, how was that compared to, you know, NCAA's and, and, uh, and you know, junior level overseas competition? Um, I mean, it's way different. Like, mm-hmm. just everything about it is different. You're on a completely different time zone. You know, like you don't have mm-hmm. accessible things that you have accessible here you warm up your training your competition you know just the, the level of competition you're wrestling um the bathrooms you know the toilets like <laughs> definitely a different situation um i actually in that in that tournament you know like on a too much information basis but like i was too scared to go to the bathroom like this whole oh. bat and i didn't go. Oh. then i just like my i had like my stomach was just like bloated and i couldn't even like <laughs> I couldn't even warm up to go wrestle. You know, I was just like, it was just such a shock Dude. to like what I was used to. And uh, you know, just you know, but it just takes time. You get, you know, eventually you get adjusted and you learn kind of the ropes and things you need to be prepared for. You know, but you got to go to experience it because if not, you just there's a lot of things that are different that we take right. for granted here. Wow, that's that's like that's that's interesting because you don't hear a lot of that stuff. You know. When we, when like you hear stories of like, you know, uh, DT went overseas and and uh, he went to wherever I don't know, he went at Worlds and just mollywopped everybody, you know. Yeah. You don't hear about like the kind of conditions that you're you're living in and stuff like that. It's interesting. Um, man, does the does the PSU coaching staff so like does Coach Casey? Does he prepare you differently for senior level competition than he did for like collegiate level? Um, I think a lot of the, you know, the things that, you know, kind of he echoes to me are, are pretty similar, 
you know, like I think my me performing well, you know, is a lot of times it's based on the things that I'm doing, you know. Um, I think I have the ability to control a lot of the scoring that happens, you know, and I think when I do that, you know, my success level is higher than when I get away from those things. So I think uh-huh. it's just, uh, you know, saying things change, you know, a little bit, obviously, but I think ultimately it's kind of staying back to those principles that, you know, he's kind of worked with me on for a long time. Mm, yeah. So, all right. We, hey, we've been going for like an hour, seven minutes. Before I let you go, though, um, do you have any any funny Mark McKnight stories off the top of your head? Oh, my gosh. There are too many funny stories of Mark that I can't even, like, think about them. Uh, <laughs> they're just – they're too good. Um, I'll tell you uh, just not a funny thing about it. This is the kind of person that Mark is, right? And this literally just happened yesterday. <laughs> so um, – you know, I think a lot of you know, people see Mark as like this funny guy, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. But he's just like he's just such an amazing person from a character standpoint. Like yep. I'm training yesterday, you know, obviously I'm getting back into really pushing my body now, you know, back from my injury. Things are going well. And, you know, I was doing this really hard workout yesterday and um, I'm like really pushing. And uh, I, I, I've never thrown up from a workout ever. Mm-hmm. In whatever I've been wrestling at a high level for 20 years I've pushed myself high you know I, I have uh you know I have a pretty pretty high threshold for yep for pain tolerance and stuff and I'm about I'm, I got like two minutes left in this in this bike and I'm I feel it coming I'm like oh boy uh, I'm like <laughs> I need this trash can so I, I go until literally like I I throw up and I throw up like big time like like man like you got like I had uh like the flu type throw up like it's disgusting Dude. You know, I'm yeah. finishing up, and Coach Mark comes up to me. And he's like, "Oh man, this is going got you, didn't it?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> you know, and you know, the difference when you throw up from the workout is like you don't feel ill. You know, you're just like, right. you know, you're just getting the demons out. So, you know, I'm like finishing up, and he's like, "Coming out your nose?" I'm like, "Yes, it is coming out my nose." And I throw up again. <laughs> he's still like sitting there. He goes, "Champ, why don't you tie this up, and I'll take it for you?" And I'm like, "Dude, you're the man." So like, <laughs> I just freaking threw up all over this trash can and he just i still had yeah. half the workout to go and he's just like i'll take this for you so you know i tied the bag up and he took it and, and threw it away for, you know so it's just that's the kind of person that mark is you know it's yeah. just like no one would do that you know i didn't even want to take my own trash you know my own throw up out it's disgusting you know but it's um you know people you know along the way like on our success like we just sometimes you lose track of all the people that have helped you you know and i mm-hmm. think it's important that we got to always remain grateful. There's so many people that have, that make little sacrifices, you know, for you to be successful. And you know, I've been super fortunate to have an amazing team and obviously coach Mark's a big piece of that in, in a lot of ways. So, right. you know, that's uh, I feel like that's a story that, you know, just it's not always, maybe it's not the most pleasant story, but it just speaks volumes to the kind of person he is yeah. and how thankful we are to have him. Yeah. Coach Mark McKnight is, he's a great dude. He's an excellent yeah. person walking meme. Um, <laughs> But also like high, high person of high character. So, all right. Hey, coach. Um, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully I'll see you here in the next, maybe tonight or maybe in the next couple of days, for uh, for practice. But I, you know, it means the world to me that you're able to come on and I'm able to talk to you, even if most of it was about M2, and uh, and most of it was likely 
you know, it seems like a giant ad, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm really glad that you were able to come on. It means a lot. Yeah. Well, thanks, dude. You guys are doing a great thing and uh, appreciate you bringing me on and yeah. uh, just keep making improvements. Awesome. So, th- hey, thank you. Yep. See you, buddy.